Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Dad was better than the other dad. First boy said, well, my dad scratches a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a poem, and they pay him $100 every time. Second kid said, that's nothing. My dad scratches words on a piece of paper, calls it a song, and they give him $1,000 every time he does it. Third kid kind of laughs. He says, you guys, that is absolutely nothing. My dad scratches a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes six guys to collect all the money. <laughs> you. All right. Aren't you glad to be back in church hearing dumb jokes? I want to encourage you today, if you uh, have the Version Bible app, you can go there and search One Cause Church, and you can follow this morning. I've got a few notes on there for you. Psalm chapter 119, verse 71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Now, so far, all the things that we talked about that were good were, well, y'all were shouting. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Amen, preacher. It is good to sing praise to the Lord. Amen. It is good to gather together and wait until amen. It is good to be afflicted. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. I, can, I, I had the same response. I looked at it and went, that's good. Then that I may learn your statutes. You know, I began to do some word search on this. And this is King David under an Old Testament, under Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, the law of Moses, ultimately the law of God. And I looked at this word, afflicted, and it doesn't just make a popular t-shirt company. Oh, it's affliction. But it, uh, it's the word Anna, I think I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know if, how many ways you could pronounce it wrong. It's just A-N-A. Anna. 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 Just try to get all of them in there. But it means, listen to this, it means to abase self. To chasten self. To... Submit self. Now, when you initially read this, you think somebody else is doing the afflicting. But David says, it's good that I've done this to myself. To humble. To bring down low. See, people have funny ideas about God's nature and His character. And they many times mistakenly blame Him for things that the devil has done. Or they've done to themselves. Jesus showed us in one verse of Scripture where he stands concerning his nature and where the devil stands concerning his nature. John 10.10, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. They're not on the same side. Have totally different purposes. So whatever has come to you to steal, kill, and destroy you, you can know that that is not from God. 
And if people aren't careful, they'll use that kind of verse right there and say, well, see, it's good that God does this to me. That's not what that says, though. It's all self-promoted, all self-perpetuated, a base self to submit self. He says what? That I may learn your statutes. These are the ways of God. First thing we learn from here, it is that is good. Humility keeps you in the school of the knowledge of God. Keeps you learning. It opens your life to perpetual training and learning. It positions you into a place to receive the wisdom and knowledge of God. And let me say this. Turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Let me say this, that good intentions are oftentimes a mask on the face of pride. Good intentions are oftentimes a mask on the face of pride. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, we're going to see an interesting story here. In verse 1, I'll read several verses. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us. And let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Now, how many of you know that this is a real noble thing that David is wanting to do? He's wanting to gather all the people of Israel back and bring the ark of God back to its place. Doesn't sound like such a bad thing, does it? It's not a bad thing. And let us bring back the ark of God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Let's continue to read. Then all the assembly said they would do so, for the thing was right. Where? In the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shahor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God to Kirjath. Jerem and David and all Israel went to Bala to Kirjath Jerem, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God the Lord who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. Verse 7, so they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might. Kind of like what you saw this morning. These guys were tearing it up, weren't they? played it before God with all their might, was singing on uh, rock and roll electric guitar. That's, our, that's the modern harp. String, stringed instruments on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, or one version said to steady the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Now, again, how many of you know that that didn't seem like such a bad thing to do, does it? All right? This, this is all well and good. Intentions. He put out his hand to say, Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died before God. And see, at that moment, everything stopped. 
David got upset about that whole thing, and then he became fearful about it. He said, we're not doing this. And they took the ark over to a man named Obed-Edom. What a name, huh? Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom's house started flourishing. And for three months, they prospered him and all of his house. Let's go two chapters over to 15. Once again, all of this all seems okay. It all seemed good in the eyes of all the people. And everything seemed okay. To, why not? Well, it's not the cause that was the problem. It was the process by which they were to accomplish it. Verse 11, And David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priests, for the Levites, for Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. Verse 13. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because, here we go, he figured it out, because we did not consult him about the proper order. There's the missing piece. Consulted everybody else but God. And everybody else, it made all sense to them. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. See, David's cause was noble, but his process was his own, not the Lord's. And humility helps you learn the ways of God. Consulting him first will cause you to avoid so much of the potential trouble and pitfalls in your life. God has a way for you to walk. He has shown you throughout Scripture how to live your life. And we see it at its pinnacle in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Come to the place where we are continually humbling our opinion under the truth of God. And anything else, anything apart from that is sin. Whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. sin. God won't be mocked. He's not going to change. But he offers grace to those who will simply believe him. Amen. See, today, his grace is what teaches us how to live our lives. Thank the Lord. It's not the law teaching us how to live our lives. It's the grace of God. See, something happened between David and you. A really marvelous thing happened On a hill called Calvary, Jesus Christ hung between heaven and earth for all mankind, bearing the sins of all men, died an innocent man, blamed for everything that you and I did, and happy to do it. And when he hung his head in death and was buried in that tomb, and three days later he rose again from the dead, ladies and gentlemen, everything changed. Everything changed concerning your relationship with God. No longer was that law looming over us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he took it out of the way. The handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, Christ took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Praise God. Because if the law teaches you, then there's this curseful consequence to the transgressor. But grace is for you so that where sin abounds, God's got that covered. Grace does much more abound. 
thank God. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is for all men. I love that. Teaching us. What's teaching us? The grace of God. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Thank God that it's His grace that's showing us. See, thank God it's not... His grace is teaching us, and in that teaching, it empowers us to not be dominated by sin. Romans 6.14 says, For uh, uh, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You're not under law, you're under grace. That's how how you live a sin-free life. That's how you keep sin from dominating you, by the grace of God, not by your works. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, But he, that is God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Again, that's what, that's what David's talking about. That still works in this time. We humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Boy, the Lord really humbled me today. Mm. No, he says you humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. God does the exalting, you do the humbling. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Humility keeps you submitted to God. That's what it says. It gives grace to the humble, therefore submit. Isn't that wonderful? It keeps you submitted and empowers you to resist the devil. Humility, there's a certain weapon aspect about it. There's a certain warfaring aspect about it. You can't resist that which you are submitted to. So what humility does gives you clear perspective of who the real enemy is. And that order is there on purpose. Submit to God, resist the devil. That is, that moment you stop leaning on your own understanding is when you have a fighting chance. Right? Right? Because the truth is, we're really not any match for the devil. You've been around too long, knows too much in your own strength. That's why the Bible says we don't fight. We don't fight with our weapons. We don't fight with this physical body. We don't fight with this mind. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations or arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Now, when you think of, when you think of truth, kind of words come to your mind when you think of truth in and of itself. Truth. I think, well, I think strong. I think enduring, right? The Bible. I think... Authentic, genuine, right? When you think of humility, it has a whole different side to it, doesn't it? It's softer, meek, shy, timid, gentle, obedient, submissive. Truth and humility. Eric Ortenblad, he's not here today, but he gifted me with this sword. I have no idea what to do with it, but I just think it's really cool. And he was talking to me about the kind of blade 
that is on this sword is called a Damascus blade or Damascus steel. And you can see some close-up pictures of what a Damascus blade looks like. See the markings there? Go to the next one, Michael, and you can see a little better. It looks like, looks like uh, watermarks on it, doesn't it? That's what, this, that's what the center of this sword looks like. It's really interesting. Well, the Damascus blade is a combination of two or more metals together. Uh, typically uh, layers of steel alloy mixed with some softer metal like nickel. And what they do is as they, they, uh, they fold these layers onto each other as they pound them out, and which helps further even remove any of the impurities that are in the metal. And it also greatly multiplies the number of the layers that are in the sword. So if a bladesmith starts out with three layers of nickel and maybe four layers of steel, kind of like this, this blade here, then a single fold will double the number of layers to 14, and they'll fold again to 28, and they'll fold again to 56. So there's multiple, multiple layers here, which makes this thing very strong. The interesting thing about the Damasc- Damascus steel or the Damascus blade is they say, and I'm certainly not going to try to attempt it here for all of our safety, um, <laughs> is that they say that you can bend the Damascus blade 90 degrees, and it'll just pop right back. And it has this strength about it, too, that it can actually cut another sword right in half and keep its edge. It's an extraordinary piece of uh, uh, weaponry. But there's something to that strong steel being molded with the soft metal. What happens is in the, in the pounding process of these, this, this blade, the, the soft metal works as a weld or as a glue to pull everything together. And that's what gives it its pliable feel, yet its strength. So you become most effective in your walk with God You become most effective in your walk of faith and in your fight of faith when you humble yourself to that truth. When you come under the opinion of God, truth and humility are like a sword that no enemy can stand against. See, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful, or, or quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What's cool about that word two-edged is that in its original uh, form, it really means twice spoken. The twice spoken... The word of God, twice spoken, is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word sharper here, I looked it also up in the Greek. I like to do word studies. And it it means uh, uh, sharper as if by a single stroke. That's all it takes. See, it really doesn't take much to conquer an already defeated enemy. And God has shown us that the word of God is all you need. The twice spoken is what gives its 
its power. You have the truth and you have your humility agreeing with that truth. And at that moment, when you begin to say what God has said, then that word has all the potential that it needs. Hallelujah. It has all the power to overcome every obstacle in your life, every enemy that is challenging you, that is facing you. The word of God is the answer all. Hallelujah. It defeats. It's sharper than every two-edged It don't matter if there's two other people twice speaking, if there are people twice speaking against you because the word of God is sharper than any of those twice spoken swords. Hallelujah. It teaches us, it says uh, in Isaiah 54, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. Just swing the sword. Just say the word. Just decide that you're going to humble yourself under the opinion of the Almighty and believe him and say what he says. Because the truth is, humility is really faith. It's just faith in God. Turn, turn over to Micah, Micah chapter 6 for a moment. Micah chapter 6. I bet Charles Stahl could do some amazing things with this sword. Micah chapter 6, he has shown you, verse 8, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what the Lord requires, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, in Matthew chapter 23, 23, Jesus is rebuking the snot out of the Pharisees. And in verse 23, he actually starts off telling them what they do. That's right. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise. How many, how, many, and cumin, how many of you tithe off of your spices in your house? <laughs> I ain't that good a tither, Pastor. Well, I'm not either. But these guys, I mean, tithe down to the very spices in their house. Made sure of all of it. 10% of it went to God and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Got a lot of things right, guys, but you're forgetting the most important things. What does it say? Justice, mercy, and then Jesus says faith. We lost it on the screen there. Justice and mercy in faith. The Old Testament says justice, mercy, and humility. But Jesus taught us that humility and faith are really the same thing. The just shall live by faith. These you ought to have done, is what he said, without leaving the others undone. What you did, you, shouldn't, you, sh you should do it. This is what you really should do. Bobby Baker, where are you? Where's Bobby Baker? Oh, they're gone? Oh, he took his guitar. I'll, t I'll use this guitar. Is it okay if I play guitar right quick? I want to sing a song to you that my dad wrote. And uh, that just really has ministered to me over the years. But 
coming under the, the humble opinion that what God says is all that you need. It really makes things pretty simple, doesn't it? We think about that, just submitting to the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that it's necessarily easy to do, but the idea is simple. God always deals with us in simple ways. He simply just wants us to believe Him, to live our lives believing God. And you show your belief by what's coming out of your mouth and then the action that follows. Sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword and hidden in its wisdom is a wealth of great reward. Magistrates and rulers have long tried to bring it down. But the more they try, the louder still came the holy sound. Just say the word, and giants start to fall. Just say the word, and they become a Jericho wall. Just say the word. No enemy can stand When you say the word It's a sword in your hand And brighter than the brightest light That man has ever known And sweeter than the sweetest honey in the honeycomb few there be who see it or taste it at its best but faith in Jesus is the key that opens the treasure chest just say the word and giants start to fall just say the word And they become a Jericho wall. Just say the word. No enemy can stand. When you say the word, it's a sword in your hand. Just say the word, yes. And giants start to fall. Just say the word. And they become a Jericho wall. Just say the word. No enemy can stand. And when you say the word, it's a sword in your hand. When say the word it's a sword in your hand (laughs) Amen Yes ladies and gentlemen it is that simple as simple as the day that you were born again and you believe that Christ died for your sins, 
according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And a miracle happened the moment you put your faith in Christ. Everything changed. You got a whole new nature. Old things went away and all things became new. And that's the pattern of how we live our life. I want to finish with this scripture, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of, of God is revealed from faith for salvation to faith to live by. God has one way. It starts in faith and it stays in faith. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for gathering this people here today. Lord, I believe that everyone is here today by your design, by your purpose. And I thank you, Lord, for this moment right now that we are here under the hearing of your word. And Father, we take this moment. We take this moment right now to set, put a stake in the ground and have a resolve in our hearts that from this day forward, we're going to believe God. It is good that we humble ourselves so that we may learn the ways of God. Simply said, it is good that we walk by faith. And Father, I thank you that when we do that, it opens our lives to a flow of your grace that you so freely give. Help us, God, to not think of ourselves too highly higher than we ought to think and to take heed lest when we think we stand lest we fall that we never come to the place where we depend on our ability never depend on our own character and our own good and our own track record but we totally and continually have dependence on God that's how you created us to depend on you to fully trust in cling to And rely on you. And when we do that, God, you open us up to every good thing that you have for us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us from darkness and bringing us into your light. Now, Lord, help us. Help us, God, each day. To follow the steps of faith. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of God is here today, and He's ministering to you and speaking to you. There are various, various needs here in the room, and He's here to minister to every one of them at whatever level. Because His love has no end to it. He loves you today. Loves every part about you. He created you. 
wherever there is correction that needs to be made, make the correction. Whatever you need to repent of today and turn from, do it right now. Whatever change needs to take place, make it happen. Our lives are made up simply of the choices that we make. So I'm here as your pastor to admonish you and to encourage you. Make good choices. Wrap your mind around the Word of God and make your life, make your life fit. to its call. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I heard a man say that true Christian maturity happens when we just stop arguing with the Word of God. When we see the Word, we hear the Lord speak to us, at that moment, we don't argue. We don't try to reason it out and try to make excuses and justify. We just say, yes, sir. That's what I believe right now. I choose you. Hallelujah. And today, let's walk out of here better. Let's walk out of here with a new, fresh perspective. Unclouded, uncomplicated, just walking by faith. Hallelujah. And flowing in His grace. Can you receive that today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is good. It is good. It is good. It's good to be in the house of God today. Hallelujah. It's good to go home and eat leftover turkey. And get very, very, very good amens there, but everybody's ready to go out and eat and do something different, aren't you? Well, thank you all for being here today. I want to say thank you especially to those of you who are with us for the very first time at One Cause Church. I'd like to have the opportunity to shake your hand and meet you. Right after service is over, I'm going to go right over here. There's a little room right there where that door is, and I'll be in there uh, the door propped open and uh, be happy to shake your hand. I'd love to meet you and just t- say thanks for being here. love to hear your name. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Now, uh, for the rest, I want, I would, as we get ready to go out of here, I want to ask Dr. Holler, doctor, pastor, apostle, pope, archbishop, whatever, dad, to come up here and uh, say whatever you want and dismiss us. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.